1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Half a Bird Sports Show. You of course have so many options for high flying entertainment, yet you chose to ride with us and we definitely do appreciate that. Uh, We're doing a um, quiet open here with me and Jimmy. Going to dive right in here. We appreciate the support. Make sure you go out, rate us, and review us and give us those five stars. You don't think we deserve it. Give us five anyway. So, um... Jimmy, it has been a crazy, what's this, 72 hours, I guess? This kind of started, with Thursday or Friday? Yeah, yeah. So um, how are you
2: doing? Man, I'm doing pretty good. I am, like a lot of people, still struggling with a lot of emotions, uh, a lot of thoughts, um, some in conflict with one another. Uh, I'm happy to be here today, happy to be on the show, happy to share this platform, in a sense, to express... A lot of what I've seen, a lot of what I'm feeling, and a lot of what I hope we can do to move forward as a people and as a nation.
1: So I'm, I'm in several different places, but I'm here. I'm ready, <laughs> to be honest with you. Same. I've, I've kind of been numb over the last few days. I, I took Saturday. I was in Dallas. Uh, my little, little brother, play brother, uh, graduated high school, so I got to mm. go check him out and he's going uh, to follow in his father's footsteps and play um, college basketball TU like his dad, Shea Seals, which is pretty awesome. Okay. Uh, got to see the little bro. We we chopped it up. Me and Shay got to talk, and I'm um, just excited to see him on that journey. So for me, it was kind of a bittersweet type weekend, you know, with all the, not only A, the craziness in the world, and then B, seeing him lose out on his 2020 on graduation on mm. all the basically all the students that are graduates from college, any graduation point, they missed out on all the, the essence of being a graduate. And so for me, uh, uh, it was good to partake in him walk, walking across the stage, even though it was a social distanced stage, it was just good seeing him be uh-huh. able to do that. So yeah, for me, I've been numb. I'm, I don't know what to think with everything. Um, I guess the biggest thing that have come from me with a lot and let's dive right on into the muck of it is the response has been very optimistic for me. And I say that of course, as a black male seeing so many people that don't look like me really standing up to this, like the, 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 the statements from athletes when I saw Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow put something out there, I, even though I know it's, 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 it's it's honestly par for the course for both of them because of their background, which is always a fun cultural conversation, but seeing them really put their necks out like that, that, that made me have a different perspective of what's, what's going on. Mm -hmm. I have an appreciation for that because in all this time we've been saying, we need you to listen to us. You need to hear us out. They look like they've been listening and they, and they, they finally spoke out about it. You know, with all of this, that's where my optimism's come in is I've seen so many people that I, from different walks of life that I honestly would not have expected to really dive into it like we have white people that have advocated for the Black Lives Matter movement uh, other races Hispanic etc that have been part of the the advocacy with everything mm-hmm. is it but it this honestly feels completely different am I off base do you does this feel like does this feel different to you at all or as far as what you've seen so far well I mean, sp-
2: specific to what you're saying um, no you're not off base at all it's something that I've seen that has made this unprecedented that individuals who have been for really their life and career, apolitical. Yes. Who have not said much of anything about issues such as these that have continued to ravage the black community for decades and for centuries in the sense of being the victims of the brutality of police and those individuals who have been commissioned to protect and serve at times, it seems everyone but us. Right. So you're right. When you see someone as apolitical as Tom Brady, speak out against this who doesn't speak out against anything Anything. at all and that's four reasons that we won't go into on the show then yes that's different when you have mj his heirness michael jordan who you know to be fair to him has financially contributed to a lot of causes but in terms of using his voice and his platform or using his voice in his platform yes. in order to denounce these types of things, he does not really do that very often. So for someone like him, and then today, and we were talking about this off air, and I've got mixed feelings about this, but it happened, when someone who is noted to be as racist and as bigoted as Rush Limbaugh, speaking more specifically of Rush Limbaugh himself, goes on The Breakfast Club and and to some degree, as much as he would allow himself to, somewhat denounce what happens, then you know that you're dealing in different territory. So there have been a lot of other individuals, some of which you just mentioned, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, many others, many white athletes, many white entertainers who really don't get into this. This was so egregious. This was so bad. This was so murderous. And this was so racist, what Derek Chauvin and the other three officers did, that nobody in their right or their wrong mind could do anything but condemn what happened. Even those who stand to um Have their brand affected, even those who have been apolitical their entire lives have had to speak out against this. So yes, we're dealing in uncharted territory. I do appreciate a lot of this. I question some of it. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit later, maybe not. But I have taken note of exactly what you're talking about, that we're seeing individuals speak out against these things and really support the black community and these movements like Black Lives Matter who have done anything but that for their entire lives.
1: Right, and, and we can we can dive into even the way that the Black Lives Matter movement has gone and how it's been hijacked in a lot of different ways, and we'll we'll touch on that after news. But for me, seeing those powerful people, because that's the, it's the thing about it, you know, the fact that Rush com, comes out and says, this is disgusting, I'm sickened by seeing it, and so many people that you... It's it's a huge group of just of the American population that saw that and said that, no, that is not right whatsoever. Even though, even without additional evidence, that's the, I think that's the crazy part about it is initially it was more so like, look, that's nine minutes of this guy on this dude's back. That should never happen. There's never an excuse for that. Within the first four minutes, you can pick the dude up and put him in, And after you've got him cuffed, set him down. And without the additional footage, people were literally disgusted by the whole situation and that that to me that's where the optimism for me for this whole situation has come out and listening to a lot of people uh talk about it uh, like uh Bomani Jones was on Lepitar's show today talking about the situation and that was his big piece he was like look um I saw that there was a Black Lives Matter rally in Salt Lake City you know the dude in Salt Lake City I think he had the bow and arrow and the kids took him out because he was shooting his he was like he's going to shoot arrows at people. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like in Utah, there was a black lives matter movement. He's like, for me, I need to see kind of the data of the demographics out there because not that these, these white people were out there with black people. It seemed like they were out there for black people because I mean, how many people in black people live in Utah mm-hmm. Like legitimately, you know what I'm saying? So it's considered one of the states with the larger population of the majority of the country that are white. But they were having protests and rallies, and that's something that's really comforting to me. Comforting to me because it now I now feel like people are actually paying attention, and it goes back even to and something we talk about a little bit later is Colin Kaepernick was kind of right. He did it silently. He did it not in a way that they liked, and Nick Wright even said it in one of his uh, in his monologue he did on Twitter as well about how. You got to look at what Dr. King actually said in his quotes, what his actual interviews were, what his actual essays were. I mean, he's considered the greatest orator of, you know, of our time. If you listen to everything this man actually was saying, you get that he was pointing out to the racists and the bigots aren't the ones that are our biggest threat. It's those in the middle that don't that that say I hear you, but do nothing else. Afterwards, you know, and that's just me paraphrasing more so within the word, but it's just great to see all of these people stepping out, marching together and being together and saying that no, this is wrong, and we need to do something about it. problem is is there's so many layers systematically that have to be uncovered or or fixed in order for us to even see progress.
2: Well, I mean, to see true progress in the sense of what we need and what we've always needed involves dealing with two enemies that to date no one has quite yet figured out how to fix. To me, it's, well, say for purposes of what I'm saying, we'll call it the true enemy versus the real enemy. It's clear that the true enemy behind and underneath all of this is racism, is bigotry is a lack of empathy, is a willingness of individuals to turn the other way, to not acknowledge it, to say, I'm not a part of the problem or what's going on, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Right. Individuals who should be allies. That's really, to me, the true enemy. And that true enemy manifests itself into the real enemy, which is systemic racism. Yep. Because systemic and institutional racism breeds a climate within which this level of police, police brutality can occur again and again and again. And that's to me what this is truly all about. Yes, we are obviously and we should be saddened. we should be upset. We should be furious, just mad at hell as to not only what happened with George Floyd, but what happened with Ahmaud Arbery. What, a week and a half, two weeks ago? Yeah. And within that, Christian Cooper, who did not lose his life, but was still the victim of this. And I don't want to use the wrong words, this. this misguided racist individual in Central Park. That's sort of the, I won't say that's the least of these, but it happened amongst these things. And that's to me a big part of why this is happening because all three of these major events that one again have sought to victimize black people have happened in such close successions of time that finally people have truly, truly had enough and people who were willfully blind to what was happening to us are now willing to open their eyes and see what's happening.
1: And that's the big point behind that is they're starting to see it now. And to me, the majority has to understand that it's not the minority's job to fix this situation. It's not our job to tell you how it can be fixed. It is the majority's job to act upon it and fix it themselves because we're not the creators of it. The minorities aren't the creators of it. The minorities are the victims of it. Now that we're telling you about it, The majority needs to step back, take a look at it holistically, and understand that okay, we do have a problem. We do have an issue here, we have an issue that there. Because I will always say that we are inherently good when we are birth from Mm -hmm. birth. You can place a white kid, a black kid, an Asian kid, you can place an African kid, you play all these kids in a room sitting together from the ages of one. Actually, from we won't do birth because they're not moving. But I will say from one to about four, and guess what? They're just gonna play. Mm-hmm. They're gonna get mad at each other, but then they're gonna play. Fifteen minutes later, they're gonna be mad. They're gonna be sad because of this, and then they're gonna play again. Fifteen minutes later, all of that stuff's gonna happen. The rest of it is taught. Mm-hmm. Anything past that interact those interactions is taught, and so for us, that's where the majority needs to step in. And assist with understanding the different facets of racism from George Floyd being being with the police brutality, from Ahmad being profiled and then attacked by citizens to Cooper, the, 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 the Miss the Lady Cooper. Who came after the guy Cooper just because he was bird watching, and he was asking her to follow the law, to follow the rules, mm-hmm. and then she felt the need to tell the officer that a African American was threatening her, and that's what she told him before she even. Called can, you, can you
2: imagine? I mean, do you comments. realize what that means? We're living in a world where a black man bird watching is a threat to the life in her perception. Of a white female bird watching, bird watching, and encouraging her, like you said, to put the leash on the jo- the dog that she therein for whatever reason started to choke, didn't even realize it because she was in such fear and trepidation from a black man who was bird watching. Bird watching. That's the kind of climate that we're in, and that's the kind of climate that institutional racism breeds. Now, I want to um, say something to what you said in terms of the min- minor- the majority taking the forefront. Those individuals who truly possess that privilege, those individuals who are most likely to have or to sit in positions of power, that it is primarily up to them. And in a sense, it is. But it's like we've never been able to rely on the majority to fix what is going on in our community. And the reason why, especially as it pertains to privilege, is that so many of them benefit and exploit that privilege. It's like someone someone in power, the last thing that they want to do is not only give up that power, they don't want to do that, but they want more of it. So in order for this to change, they would have to either give that power up, sacrifice some of it, or it would have to be taken from them. And right now, with the way people are speaking, with the way people are feeling and with where we're at now is getting to the point to where those individuals who have had this power and have not done what they needed to with it in order to protect individuals who don't have that power. Now it's going to
1: be taken from them and it needs to be. I agree. I agree. All right. Let's take, let's take a quick breather on this and dive right into a little bit of the News.
0: Jimmy has
1: the news. I hope so. Thank you, Wendy. You never know exactly how these
2: things are going to go. All right, so quick break on the news. All right, starting with the Major League Baseball Association, uh, they have yet to reach a return-to-play agreement. Jay, however, there is a proposal. Actually, there are two proposals, in a sense, on the table. The MLBPA has struck back with a proposed 114-game season. Um, I believe it will run through... Uh, from June through October, the end of June through towards the end of October. What do you think is the likelihood that the owners in Major League Baseball, after suggesting an 82-game season, would say yes to a
1: 114-game season? Oh, they're going to say no. Um, The owners want the money, but they also don't want to pay out. Now, I know there's a lot of different things that are going on in the background as far as dialogue goes to how they're trying to move forward with the season. Like, I know the the, the owners are about to – about to recommend a a, a a opportunity for them to play a shorter season, I think, than that based upon their March agreement and just uh-huh. pay them a prorated rate, which technically is what the players ask for. They just want a prorated rate based upon how many games are played. They just don't want to take additional cuts. Uh-huh.
2: Um, yeah, if the owners are going to make less money, they're going to say no. Which is why this is going to continue to be dragged out, and baseball is going to disgrace themselves of the three major leagues in America. They're more likely to be the ones to disgrace themselves over money. They were on the right track, and now they're not because of the all dollar. I up told next, y'all, I told y'all that they had the opportunity to. And to you did talk about that. You <laughs> did talk about that on your solo show. I <laughs> committed to that. All right, so up next, NFL Eagles receiver Deshaun Jackson, who's got to be like fifty years old at this Literally. point, said it's going to be definitely a culture shock if the NFL teams can't play with fans in the stadiums due to the coronavirus, but if that is the case, he believes players should be mic'd up to give fans a behind-the-scenes look they don't normally get. Jay, do you agree that if there are no fans in the stadiums for the NFL that they should mic up the players?
1: As long as they delay the, the, the broadcast by about 15 minutes so they can filter through all the language that's going out there, I am totally for it. Now, you may want to be more responsible with it and only have specific players mic'd, Probably not the quarterback. You don't want the quarterback to be mic Especially, well, yeah, you don't want the quarterback mic'd. Um, maybe that middle linebacker, a wide receiver, and a running back. I think that would be safe, but I don't like the idea of a quarterback or defensive lineman. That's true. You're right. You can't have too many people mic. That'd be like you ever seen a Wu Tang
2: Clan show? Yes. That's like fifty dudes on stage, and all of them got a microphone at one time. Still to this day, yes. You, so you just can't you, have that. You, you hear no lyrics whatsoever. Um, I'm not as interested in hearing what NFL players say to each other because I know it's bleep this, bleep that. And if you take the folk, if you put the focus on them being mic'd up, you take it off of these fantastic broadcast teams that we have you know i'm a big fan of aikman and buck people are becoming fans of tony romo he does a great job That's and true. many others who are up and coming so it takes less time for them to truly analyze the game and talk about it in depth as opposed to players talking about what they're going to do to each other's mothers
1: or steal that from xfl and do a similar to them and only do parts. right because they're not
2: coming back so might as well yet again what's next all right up next the line of suitors interested in hosting Mike Tyson's presumed return to boxing Continues to grow Now an actual fighting organization Has thrown eight figures on the table David Feldman, the president of Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship Has reportedly offered Mike Tyson A $20 million per fight deal If you're Mike Tyson Do you consider Going into this federation And making $20 million a fight Bare Knuckle fight?
1: I mean, it's $20 million a fight Yes why not? I mean, well, I'll, I'll put it like this: if unless Tyson can go out to Showtime, HBO, I think both of them pulled out of boxing. Yeah, uh-huh, they did. And actually, get them to give him a hundred million dollars for a couple of, for a fight or two.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's your best option. I mean, it depends on if his money is
2: motivation.
1: Um, then yeah,
2: you, you you fight with the highest bidder. But I'm not. Exactly sure what his motivation is, other than to prove that he can do it. If that's yeah. the case, stick with what you did before. Let's see if you can go back to the type of fighters you used to fight and see how good you can be at this age. You might be unprecedented. That makes sense. Uh, lastly, lastly, Jocena Anderson is apparently not going to have her contract renewed with ESPN. Jason Whitlock not going to have his contract renewed with Fox. Um, So outside of Whitlock, if you notice a lot of ESPN personalities are going over to Fox, is it possible that in five years Fox could supplant ESPN as the worldwide leader in sports? I do not see it. All right. That's That's it. it. It's news. (laughs) And that was Jimmy with the news. Thank you,
1: Bob. Just real quick, why don't you see that happening? Fox overtaking ESPN. ESPN has way too much momentum. As much as people hate them and say they're too far left-leaning, there's more left-leaning people than there are right-leaning people in America. And so for that, I don't see I don't see Fox ever supplanting them. Now Fox is going to have some pretty good stuff because they basically just kind of copycat each other. Anyway, it's a copycat industry. Uh, They'll have loyal, loyal people. I mean, I listen to people on both sides. Like I I enjoy some FS1 people as well as ESPN people. So I just think that ESPN has too much uh, behind them to be able to real. They're too big to fail in a way. um, Overall, because mm-hmm. they're they're they've got enough smart people up there to prevent themselves from really being surpassed by but fox is doing a good job of trying they are they are i
2: like that you know I, I mean i think it makes everybody better
1: when yes. you have that competition, competition, competition always, always does, it. does it exactly yeah competition is great for the consumer mm-hmm. it, it makes the products better hell think about phones and stuff you know that's right. the big piece so right. um yeah, yep. i was gonna say i'll talk, I'll talk about the tr- the the moving to the protesting portion of right. it. and. How, okay, so did you, did you you didn't go to any protests at all? I know we, you probably went past one, did you?
2: Uh No, I did not go to any of the protests thus far.
1: Okay, and you're, because you're downtown, did, was there anything going on whenever you left from the uh, that bridge you were underneath hanging really? out? Yeah, where I saw
2: you at? You, you were there before I was? No. Actually. <laughs> <About> <laughs> no, I, no, I haven't. <laughs> no. No, not at all? Okay, no. okay, I didn't know
1: if anybody was any down there during the day. So I guess for me, when it comes to the protest portion of it, If you read Dr. King's actual words and the things he talks about you, this would should not be a shock to you of how this has gone. Um, But at the same time, I'm not a big advocate for the looting and the destroying of property. Mm -hmm. There's more peaceful people than there are the looters. But of course we focus on the looters because that's more uh, ad revenue. That's more generation. That's more eyeballs. People care about bad stuff. They don't actually care about the good stuff. If they cared about the good stuff, We'd see more of it um, and we would see less bad, but I'm just pointing out the, I'm just pointing out, you know, the obvious to all of you. So, Jimmy, what, 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 what has, how has, I guess I can't get the words right. What is your thoughts so far on the protesters that you've seen, protests that have been going um, on around the country? Well, I
2: think it's, it's been three different types as far as what I've seen, and there may be more just based on what someone else thinks. But you have, the, as you said, the, the peaceful protesters who are doing things the right way, you know, in the true spirit of what prior movements have taught us to do in the sense of civil disobedience, in the sense of expressing our voice in this way through protest. So you have those individuals, and I definitely, you know, agree and you know, in some sense, am a part of that. You have those individuals who are out there to agitate and attack the police. Whether it's individuals who are out there specifically to do that, whether it's individuals who are out there in order to get other people hurt, so they intentionally mm-hmm. are trying to hurt the police, and just individuals who have so much rage they don't have the direction or the action in order to know what to do with that rage. And then you have looters. Now, what I really want to say is about is about the looters, the, the individuals attacking businesses, freestanding. Businesses, in order to well, see, that's not really an expression of rage if you break into a place, take merchandise out, and leave. But in a sense, it is. Yes, yeah, I, right, right. I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this, and I could be completely wrong. So, I was thinking about all right, the president obviously, he screwed this up like he screwed up just about everything else. But I was thinking about okay, what's the president's role in this? And in thinking about the president, I was thinking about okay, what's the president's true job? Is it defense, in a sense, yes? Mm-hmm. Is it health care, in a sense, yes? Is it to be the face of the country? And in, in terms of dealing with and in terms of representing us to other nations, yes. But what I think the president's true job, true vocation is as president of the United States is to protect the economy. Yeah. Everything runs on that. And if you watch Donald Trump, and this should be obvious, given that this is what he's all about as a capitalist. The majority of his decisions are based upon the economy, are based upon economic and capitalistic reasons. So the president, in a sense, is first and foremost, supposed to protect the health of the nation's economy. So then when you take that and you look at individuals who are destroying businesses or looting those businesses, in a sense, it's an attack on the economy, right? Which is the primary order of protection of the president. So really it's a mess to me. It's a message to power. It's a message by attacking the sort of the, I guess the physical manifestation of the nation's economy, which are the businesses you can see right in front of you. So That's symbolically what I think a lot of them are communicating, whether they know it or not, is to get the attention of powers to attack that power. And there is no other way they know to do that other than to attack those physical manifestations of the nation's economy, our businesses. Now, I think that that's wrong. I think that um, if you listen to me, to me, one of the most incredible speeches I've ever heard in my life, which is a Killer Mike speech. Um, I forget what the event was, but it was recent. He's in Atlanta, born and bred in Atlanta. He spoke for about eight minutes. It's one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard in my life. But he talks about how the heart too. Yeah, I mean, it was it was phenomenal. He talks about how it makes no sense to burn down your home, to burn down what's yours, because then what else do you have? What refuge do you have for organization if you burn your own house down? Because there are parts of Atlanta that were ravaged by looting and by rioting. And that's a big part of what he talked about and what Mayor Keisha Bottoms talked about as well. Mm-hmm. So I definitely agree in that sense, even though symbolically I understand, at least in terms of attacking businesses, what they're trying to say. And that needs to be paid attention to.
1: Agreed. And on, on that note, there were a lot of people that went down to Atlanta and participated in their protest, which I thought was yes. uh, commending. Like you had Jalen Brown, who drove 15 hours from Boston Fantastic. to lead a peaceful protest down in Atlanta. And uh, Malcolm Brogdon mm-hmm. did the Fantastic. same. He was in the area as well. Uh, walking around, talking on a megaphone, telling fans they need to stop or uh, get and, and, and watch out for looters. I guess the biggest problem for me with with the the situation in Atlanta and all the other countries where the the bad the bad portions of it is mainly the bad actors. Like yes, Minnesota's officials that men- made mention that there was a large percentage of the people that they arrested and had in custody weren't even from Minnesota. <laughs> and to me that to me that's an that's an example of the agenda of. Of, of a lot of America Americans on how they want to dilute the message that's actually coming from exactly. BLM in the, and this is the perfect example of it. We saw a lot of people walking around with heavily armed, like they're their own militia at these governor's office. And at these state capitals screaming and yelling at police officers, and they were able to show restraint. And at that point we know that it can be done. But while they were doing that in their peaceful way of protesting, guess what? No bad actors showed up to destroy what their message was to power. Mm-hmm. No one attacked, no one did anything on the outside. It was all their people there. You see this situation when it comes to police brutality and there's footage of people planting things to try and start the ruckus, start the crisis. I mean, there was a guy in Minnesota that was busting out windows at AutoZone and then walked away. Like if you're going to loot, you're not going to break a window and just walk off. Mm -hmm. That was staged. That Mm -hmm. was done on purpose. And there's even more that did the exact same thing. You had people that were starting up all the, the crowd, the ruckus throwing stuff, shooting at police officers to get them going. And, those bad actors are trying their hardest to dilute what everyone in the peaceful side is trying to get accomplished. Exactly. It's preposterous, but that's, but that's America. That's kind of how I've always seen that, that America works is that when one side is doing it the right way and doing it good, there's always bad actors that want to come out and try to sabotage that whole thing. This whole, the rioting, looting and everything has brought to light a great conversation that I've seen on the Twitterverse of the Tulsa race riots or Tulsa race massacre, as they call it. What, 99 years ago today? Exactly. Jimmy, did they teach that to you you all in school? No. Exactly. And I went to an all black school. He went to all black school. I went to high school, two high schools in Tulsa. I went to one high school literally 10 minutes away from Greenwood. The church I was raised in is directly across the street from the Greenwood Cultural Center. That was right there. And one of if I'm correct, one of the last standing buildings during the massacre, Mm -hmm. like that building is old. It was there doing all of this stuff. And we were not taught taught in Tulsa curriculum unless you had a teacher that purposely taught the information. And it's Tulsa history. It's mm-hmm. not just black history. It's American history. And the American history message behind that is that even when you try to do it on your own, someone's going to try to destroy it. And that's where the 15,000 people plus died because they were doing their own thing and they were actually building something on their own and they didn't like it. Mm-hmm.
2: That's fear. I
1: mean, <laughs> you, you think about it this way, like
2: your example of you said that there was um there was a group who showed up to a Capitol and they had military assault rifles. Now was that too, what were they protesting in that? Was
1: that, that's wanted to get it? haircuts and go to the uh, attending. Sounds coronavirus related. Right. Yes. But
2: the police did not show fear. The police did not attack them. They were not dispersed with tear gas and rubber bullets in the face of really their own reporters. Yes. So none of that happened. So you know what that means? You know what that truly means? That means that an unarmed black man on his stomach is more dangerous to, to police then a white male with an AR-15 who is standing in front of them. In front of them. Yeah. Like, that again, and hearing myself say that. Me, lets me know how far we've come but how much further we have to go right. but just how sick and how systemically racist this, country's, this country truly is. And this is what people are starting to realize. Now, I have a what I think is a really good question for you. And this is where what is happening now is going to intersect with sports. And you somewhat teed it up when you talked about uh, Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon, two phenomenal basketball players, two phenomenal young men yes. who have been at, the forefront men of peace, yeah, been at the forefront of peaceful protests. You know, I was thinking about this earlier today. Do you feel like In a way, athletes are in the best position in order to help institute the kind of change that we need. And here's why I say that. Let's say you take out all of, I mean, just the the figures who we revere, who were part of the civil rights movement, who made it possible for us to do just about everything that we do today. Let's say you take them out. Does it seem to you like athletes truly have the biggest, best and most consistent platform in terms of the famous in order to spread this message, in order to institute change? Because you think about musicians, you do not really a lot of them, not all of them, but the majority of them, you don't really hear much from unless they have something that's coming out when it comes to you know actors and entertainers in that fashion. You don't really see much of them unless they have something coming out. But with athletes like LeBron James, for instance, a camera is in front of his face every day when the season is yep. going on because either he's playing a game, either he's doing a, a conference at pra- a, you know, some sort of post-practice conference there or something like that. So he's always got a camera in front of his face. So I was thinking about this. You go back to Muhammad Ali. You go back to Jim Brown. You go back to Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, on into LeBron and Colin Kaepernick and a lot of what they've done and so many other athletes. Do you feel like now athletes – Uh, are more important than ever female and male athletes and coaches to be at the forefront of this since they generally have the most consistent microphone of anyone famous.
1: Yeah, they do. They 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 do and they are the problem I have with that is is that we're expecting these 19 to 28 year olds mm. to go out here and advocate for something that's being controlled by people in their 40s to 60s. Okay. You know, um not, a, lot, a lot of them are highly intelligent. I'm not there's no shade to any of them whatsoever, but at the same time they're also young and just because they have money doesn't mean people are going to actually want to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Now, they do have the platform and can go out and do better with kinds of advocation but we've seen where they got them, right? We've seen what happened to Craig Hodges. Guess what else we saw? We see that happened to just dive right into it. Colin Kaepernick. Mm -hmm. Colin Kaepernick was the, is the face of the black lives matter movement, even though he, that wasn't his goal. His goal was to start dialogue. He wanted people to talk about this stuff. It took four years and a few more incidents for people to actually step back and say, Whoa, this is something that should, that's pretty serious. We probably should start talking about it. And now people are jumping on board with this. So now Cap, there's been articles I've seen come out today. That's been quite fascinating. But at the same time, I, I get what they're saying is, do you think that, um, do you think that, um, Kaepernick was right? That's where everybody's asking is that's the question right now. So from there, I want to ask you, Jimmy, what do you think is going to be the response to Colin Kaepernick? now that all of this is starting to really happen.
2: Okay, well, so hold that question in mind. Let me sort of back it up um, for everyone who's not familiar with what we're talking about. Um, The article by Joe Lockhart, Who was a former executive in the NFL front office? I think for two to three years, and also worked in the Clinton administration as a White House press secretary. uh, Wrote an article and released it on CNN, of which there has been super fascinating. Yeah, it's it's been a pretty substantial reaction, and it's been one of the best articles that I've read in a long time. So, in this, uh, really in the first paragraph, and I'm going to read a little bit of this because it's it's somewhat, I guess, summarizes what really has people thinking about and talking about Colin Kaepernick as well they should. He says the quarterback whose silent kneeling protests against police brutality arguably led him to lose his NFL career and not be re-signed by any club. No teams wanted to sign a player, even one as talented as Kaepernick, whom they saw as controversial and therefore bad for business now he 's not just saying that he was in a lot of these meetings and a lot of these conference calls with other NFL executives with owners and with Roger Goodell himself, yep and you know in conversations off the record, so he knows a lot of what they were thinking and what led to Colin Kaepernick essentially being blackballed from the league, like many of us knew, but no one in the, in that rumor in that meeting would actually truly come out and say and what Joe it. Lockhart
1: has said. Now, ask me what your question is again. What's I was going to say, do, what, what do you think is the response going to be with the Colin Kaepernick now that this is going on as far as <clears throat> do you see him potentially getting looked at by a team now? Because now the, the public perception of him has completely mm-hmm. – it's taking a complete 180 yeah. with a lot of these people. It's not, it's, And I don't see it going 360 because of what's going on. People are like stepping back. People that – said that you know what i don't like the way he what he's doing or what Mm -hmm. he or the way he did it Mm -hmm. They're stopping back and saying uh no actually i think he's right
2: i think he will get signed but i think it will most likely be for the wrong reasons i think for the reasons that he wasn't signed in terms of how that would affect um season ticket holders because he talks about that in this article how that would affect their brand how that would bring you know probably Scorn from the president, who was, again, very mistakenly, racistly, and bigotedly outspoken about Colin Kaepernick and players kneeling, calling calling them son of a bitches when they did that almost four years ago, then they're willing to incur that because now it's about them wanting to appear to be on the right side of history, wanting to appear to... I guess to be that team that says we truly believe what Colin Kaepernick stood or more particularly knelt for. So they're going to want to be on the right side of PR now, because now signing Colin Kaepernick, now that this has happened and that he's been proven even more right than people of color already knew he was before he started kneeling. Now they're going to want to sign him as to say. We stand behind you. So it will be symbolic. He'll get signed. He'll play because he's still better than probably 75 to 80% of backups in the NFL. It really is. But it will be for the wrong reasons. So if that's true, if you agree with that, then really my question is, is it better for Colin Kaepernick not to sign with the team because they want to sign him for the wrong reasons as opposed to not signing with anyone but for the right reasons?
1: So that's a, that's a damn good question. I think he needs to sign with someone regardless of what the reason is. And this is the reason why. The whole reason why everybody says that Colin Kaepernick isn't on a team is because he can't play. had nothing to do with uh, kneeling or anything like that. That didn't help because they don't want the media circus with it. But they don't want to sign him because he can't play. Colin goes out there and plays. What happens? What's going to be the response? Mm -hmm. At that point, you can point out and say he ain't played in roughly four years and he's out here doing – better than most he's out here he's he's winning games he's leading teams he's playing football what does that tell you that everything that you were trying to claim was a lie look i still point out how even statistically if you go back and look at his three seasons Mm -hmm. one of my buddies we had a conversation and of course he was initially on the cap sucks he's not that good blah 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 but as we had more dialogue around it he started pointing out to me he's like wait a minute it does look like they pulled him from that game because he has an injury rider and they refused to let him play and guarantee that the rest of that season unless he dropped his injury waiver off. It's like, so there were so many different factors in there. And at the same time, statistically, he had a great year. He was just hurt. And that's what happens when you're hurt. And then when Gabbard sucked, he went right back <laughs> in and was winning and, and was winning games. Mm-hmm. So you started to see. The backpedaling from some people when you really look at the optics. Yeah, the record for the Niners was terrible, but I mean, how many teams do you know has had a good record after changing quarter coaches three years in a row, right? And three and coordinators three years in a row, right? You don't. His last good years with Harbaugh and that, oh, uh, and and Roman who was his OC, who's now Lamar Jackson's OC. Mm -hmm. Killing it. Next year you had uh, the gym coach, as uh, Cowherd (laughs) calls him, uh, Tom Sula. Jim Tom Sula. And you have no clue who the rest of his staff was. Mm -hmm. I still don't even know who his OC was. He gets fired the next – I don't think he had
2: one. I think he consulted um – uh, the Madden
1: playbook for the 49ers some call the him. plays himself. Something like that. And he's a defensive guy. That makes it even worse. And then you move on from there into Chip Kelly, who could potentially have done good, but he was already washed after the Philadelphia situation. Mm-hmm. And then you take, get rid of him. And, and oh, yeah, remember the year that, uh, that Chip Kelly came, about three-quarters of the defense retired because of injuries and just getting tired of playing. It was worn out from Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. And – then you have two years of just crap on product on the field because of all the turmoil. Then you get Shanahan in there and, and John Lynch, And Lynch. you get John Lynch and Shanahan. and John Lynch is a really good GM. He understands the game. He understands how to get people. He brings in Shanahan and it's a completely different animal. So that's all, all you need for Kaepernick. So, mm-hmm
2: one last question on cap um in this article towards the end of and i encourage everybody to read this on cnn or just google search at joe lockhart title of the article is now is the moment to sign colin kaepernick what he suggests at the end of this both for practical and symbolic reasons is that the team that should sign colin kaepernick are the minnesota vikings for re for obvious reasons in the sense of minnesota's current and past history of police brutality towards African-Americans, the very thing that Colin Kaepernick knelt and sacrificed for. So if he were to sign with Minnesota, I guess, symbolically, what do you think that would mean? Would that really mean anything? Is it a good idea from what Joe Lockhart is suggesting that Minnesota should be the team at the front of the list to attempt to sign Colin Kaepernick as a backup?
1: That's a terrible idea. I don't like the idea of him going to Minnesota. If, there's, if you really want to make a statement, yeah. he's to sign with the Patriots. Hmm. That's the team he needs to sign with, or whatnot. Now, 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 let's let, let's 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 step back on this. So, of course, with Lockhart's article is all about the optics or whatnot of of signing Kaepernick was the big issue about the situation. But don't get it twisted. Roger Goodell wanted Colin Kaepernick in the lead. Yes, he did. He wanted someone to sign him. I think he even advocated for teams to just pick him up. But the teams did not want to deal with the backlash from fans. They cared more. I put it to you like this. Um, and this was, I've heard this, Bomani Jones said this before. He said that NFL teams thinks their fans are so racist that they could not handle Colin Kaepernick on their team. That mm-hmm. the league thinks that, the teams think that. Not us, mm-hmm. not other fans, but these teams feel that because if those teams signed him, they thought the backlash was going to be so bad because of the type of fans they have, when all actuality, they can handle it. Fans can handle it. We see controversial signings all the time. They could have handled it just fine. And now, with this going on, yeah, somebody's going to go out there and try to pick up Kaepernick today. The, uh, within the, within this summer. But do you think they'll do it for the right reasons? No, they probably won't. But at the same time, I don't care. Put him on a team and let him show you if he can play or not. And, yes, he's had four years off. That may be bad for some people, but for a quarterback of his caliber, the the athlete that he is, it's actually a damn good thing that he got that rest on his body. Well, because he's, what, 31, 32 now? Yep. And yep. and how old is Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is like 39, I think, 38, 39. Yes, 38, there you 39. Go. So – that tells me that the way, even with Kaepernick's game, the way he plays, even though he's more of a passer than he is a runner, but he can run his butt off, dude has a good five years left in his career, mm-hmm. at least. He can make it to 37 if you put him out there, if you put him out there. But you, the question is, do you want to? So good stuff, Jimmy, good stuff. Let's move on into some uh, actual sports <laughs> talk outside of sports advocacy. Uh, the NBA is right now at the Cuffs of finalizing this Disney bubble. Now, there's been a few articles coming out over the last uh, couple of days, and one just actually came out not too long ago. But the big thing is, is the NBA board is expected to okay the restart plan that, that, time, that uh, Adam Silver has been trying to lay out for a while. They have four ideas. They laid out in front of these owners because, of course, we got to get their agreement and the PAS. And as you, Jimmy, were very critical of the NBA, you oh, yeah. wanted them to have a solid plan and go do it. Yes. Um, my defense has always been that you got thirty dudes that have to agree to it, and mm-hmm. you can't get five dudes to agree to dinner half the time, <laughs> as far as a restaurant goes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, that's where we're only, only different on this perspective. But I get what you mean. So he has the plan right now. He's saying twenty teams. Play-in games. One play-in team is Washington in the east and in the west. It'll be New Orleans, Portland, Memphis, uh, and Sacramento. That's what it looks like uh, on that side. And they have like a little play-in tournament to warm everybody up and then start the actual playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, Jimmy, the board is expected to okay this start. Do you think that it will actually go down? Okay, well, give me which proposal that they're actually going to be voting on. The first- proposal, the, the the ones expected is the twenty twenty team proposal. 20-team. Yeah, twenty God, team, four. Oh, sorry, twenty two team okay. plan, 22. which would include teams uh, currently within six games of the final playoff spots in each conference. Mm-hmm. So for the West, is more teams: it's New Orleans, Phoenix, Portland, Sacramento, and San Antonio. They will all go in Orlando and play. And then in the West, in the in the East, it's only Washington. So the West is those five. The East will be uh, Washington. So you'd have sixteen the sixteen playoff teams, and then you have those additionals that will try to play there in. Um, That's the 22 plan. And now the 20 plan is also alive. So they're going to be voting on one of those two. Uh There's four different plans. I don't have all four in front of me. Mm -hmm. But I know the 20 and the 22 uh, plan are the two that are definitely being considered.
2: But either way, we've seen the last this season of teams like the New York Knicks and the Charlotte Hornets
0: and the Portland Trail Blazers. Well, Blazers
1: are on the list. Because they're only three and a half games behind Memphis for the final spot. They're tied with Sacramento, New Orleans. Um, and I think San Antonio for that Okay, final so we spot. might
2: see Dame after all. All right, so I'm gonna echo something that you said just a few minutes ago when I asked you about Colin Kaepernick. You said you didn't care where he signed. You want him signed, you want yep. him on a team. I don't care which of these proposals they okay. <laughs> and it's because Play some basketball. Yeah, and it's not so much that that I miss basketball and I truly do, it's that this season needs a conclusion. This season needs a champion. This and I don't year. want coronavirus, which has taken so, so much from us to in terms of sports take away an NBA season especially if it looks like that the majority of the other major sports are going to figure it out and get it together so I really hope that there is no minute or major stumbling block into the owners and the players okaying together on one of these proposals so I don't care which it is I do like the 22 team uh I guess, playing the most. I like it better than the 16. I'm fine with the 16. We talked about the 16, but the 22 is better because those uh, six teams that are still fighting for a playoff spot, that's intrigue, that's urgency. And to me, that's going to help make the basketball a little bit better than it would have been if they just would have come back and you're just playing uh, regular, regular season games. Like, this adds a sense of urgency to it, and then you go into the playoffs. Um, So I do like that proposal. I'm hoping it gets approved. We need
1: it. They need it. I agree. I yeah. agree. We, 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 need some, we need some basketball, yeah. and we have the great opportunity. Like you said, we have to close and get a conclusion to this season, and I feel bad that if the Lakers do win this championship, LeBron's going to get an asterisk on it because people are just haters just to be haters in regards to that. But yeah. um, if the Clippers win it, it won't be an asterisk, but if it's LeBron, it will be just because that's right. – Well, they just won't of, be
2: listened to. Like I said, I, when I talked about on on my solo show about a month or so ago, yeah. that I'm not listening to – I categorize every – I can, I can tell within about 20 seconds what type of MJ fan I'm dealing with. So if I meet an MJ stand, as you've called him before, and I have now adopted, um,
1: then I just won't talk to him. I won't yeah. have this kind of conversation. I will walk away. I, I, I have to as well. Now, this one thing did just come down the wire. I saw yes. a couple minutes ago while you were chatting, and I felt this is super interesting, sure. is that small marketing teams are urging a 30-team um, restart. Mm-hmm. So – uh, as in, and here's part of the article from ESPN. It says the NBA moves towards a plan of, re- of inviting 22 teams to restart the, uh, the restart a trunket season in late July. Sources told ESPN Bennett spoke of exhausting ways to accommodate non-playoff teams still wanting to play. He wondered, was there a way to safely bring back all 30 teams? And this is from Clay Bennett, owner of Oklahoma City Thunder, <laughs> even though his team is in the playoffs in a very good spot. Right. But um, but they can sympathize with the small market teams who aren't. But he sympathizes with the small market teams, uh, due to um, because of the yeah. fact that they're gonna be dealing with it right without being able to play. Uh, like I guess Charlotte will be one of your small market teams. Yeah, well, I
2: mean, in a sense too, if something like this, God forbid, happens in the future, knowing that Oklahoma City is a small market team, then he wants to have a president have been set of protecting those smaller market teams in unforeseen situations such as this. So that's his motivation, even though his team is in the middle of the Western Conference playoff spot.
1: Right, and, and for a lot of teams, and I mentioned this on my solo, that there are a lot of teams that are right there at the cuffs of their uh, regional deals. I think their regional deals are you re- typically around 70 games is the last thing I read. Um, don't quote me fully on what the exact is, but for the most part, they're usually around 70 games. And because they're around 70 games, we have... Um, we have um they have to they they, they have an op- they have to they have an opportunity to to get that money mm-hmm. and that's what all owners want to do is get that money yeah. but they can't cash in if they don't play those last three games they basically just left a lot of then, money on the table i mean i think okay so you're going to
2: if you if they approve the 22 team plan then you have 8 teams who aren't going to play any more games the rest of the season um so whether the small market or not i think that financially they need to take care of them as though they were going to play um like they were one of the the six teams who were fighting for a playoff spot, give them something, cut them. I mean, because this is not the time to leave anybody out in the cold. Yeah. So if they can financially figure out a way in order to make that feasible where they can still financially take care of those teams, even though they're done playing games for the rest of the season, then I think small market teams will be fine. Right. That's, that's the challenge that they face in addition to figuring out how to restart the season.
1: I agree. And a big problem you run into here is, is and this is where I, in a way, agreed with Dame Dillard with this situation, is playing games that are meaningless. Why don't you just go into camp, let everybody rest, and then start back up later next year. But at the same time, it looks like they'll go five five months without playing basketball because next season is not starting until December, a- at earliest Christmas Day, right. which would be the best yeah. thing they could ever – I loved the 2012 season when they started on Christmas I know, Day. You talk about that a lot. That is my favorite. I mean, because what one day of the year do we – is synopsis to us – and with basketball, mm-hmm. it's Christmas Day because mm-hmm. every you got the what was at the five game slate. That's the perfect way to start the season, and you find a way to wrap it sixty six games and make it end in July as usual, and then you go back to normal afterwards. Yeah, it's perfect.
2: You know what? And thinking about that, okay, so if they we finish out this season, they approve the plan. We finish out the season, and they start next season on Christmas Day, truncated season, fifty two games, sixty six games, whatever, but far far fewer than eighty two. Like, can you think of an NBA player right now who needs that the most, who would benefit
1: from that shortened season the most oh, for whatever Ron reason? James again, because so he won his the first guy. His first chip came on the short season. If you think about it, did it? Yes, the twenty twelve right? season was You're his right. first ring. Oklahoma City, him versus uh, Thunder versus uh, versus Ugh. Heat versus the Heatles. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, makes me get that uh, that push <laughs> of T on that. Exactly. That was his first year, so of course he's going to benefit from that because it gives him an opportunity to play every game in the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they'll be able to space it out properly. And and after playing every game going into the playoffs, they'll be able to make a run Mm -hmm. and then prep for the next year, which will be 82. So if they can pull it off this year, rest up, play 66 games next year, win a second one, now we have a different conversation about LeBron.
2: What about Kevin Durant? What about in the sense of he takes that first 52 or 66 games to put his trust back into his own body, really get himself truly back into elite basketball shape, be somewhat close to the player that he was. So then by the end of that, he's then going into the playoffs where he's really starting to hit that crescendo of getting back to being the KD that, you know, we knew him to be. Now, obviously, I don't think the Nets are going to win the championship next year. Like I said, next year it's the Clippers, but they could fight for it, fight to come out of the East, um, what about Kevin Durant?
1: I mean, Oh yeah. Kevin Durant can see some benefit from it because he'll have more time off his mm-hmm. body. Like you say, he can trust his body. he'll have more time to really rest himself, which is a good thing. Uh, the Clippers to me are going to be the the, the, the sleeper of anything is how do they perform when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? Well, Kawhi's never going to be fully healthy. We're just going to say this. Kawhi will Correct. play 80% for the rest of his career. Uh, based upon that, that, that at quad, um, but Paul George getting closer to 95 to 100%, you add those two, the question is going to be how are they going to be able to perform as a team because we've already seen turmoil within their locker room. People don't like the way that they're treated because they get the, the peripheral treatment, which is preposterous. I mean, we know that that's how it works with All-Stars. But I guess their situation is a lot more blatant, and, they, and, the, and a lot of their teammates don't like it. Mm-hmm. How many people are going to want to go work – Um want to go play for that team or play with them? How many people, how many other players are going to be able to attract to that roster, Mm -hmm. knowing that that's how the setup is going to be? I'm curious on that. I think the Clippers are going to be probably one of the better teams to bet on, on a, on a shortened season. Uh, because like I said, the, the opportunity for rest, hell, they, they may just kind of throw it in the bag this year and go ahead and push because you said year. they have an
2: asterisk. They have a reason to explain what happened.
1: Right? He's like, oh yeah, it wasn't coronavirus. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. We've really been training. <laughs> 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 we were three and one against the Lakers this season. So, yeah. <laughs> that's what it went with. So um, cool. That's that. That yeah. that's, we'll see what's going on. Um, what's your uh, anything else? How you feeling? Feel good. Feel better. Okay, final thoughts? Final thoughts. All right, let
2: me give everybody a Madden update. Uh, As you know, I've been complaining the last (laughs) two weeks that I could not beat the Jets. Finally, I'm happy to announce I was able to overcome the fighting Sam Darnold's. and I was able to beat the Jets 27 to 24 in a close one. But the same usual Madden AI BS happened to me. Now, I won this off the strength of two turnovers that I took back to the house for a touchdown. Uh, a fumble return in the first quarter and Richard Sherman picked off a pass, took it back to the house. So that was the, the nail in the coffin there. But in the fourth quarter, I don't know what it is. It's like the Madden AI It's like the the Jets become the Patriots or something in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, like I said before, I couldn't stop Le'Veon Bell. He was bouncing off tackles. He was dragging people into the end zone like he's freaking Derrick Henry. I did not know what to do about him. And Sam Darnold looks like Joe Montana again. He's throwing dots all over the place. I cannot stop him. So lucky for me, I had a big enough lead to where I was able to weather the storm, especially after Richard Sherman got me that pick in the fourth quarter. But outside of that, it's like the AI hates me. It's like Madden doesn't want me to succeed, and it's really pissing me off because I know it's going to start all over again (laughs) with another team because now I've decided for whatever stupid reason to take on the Pittsburgh and they have one of the best defenses in football. So, it's going to be more BS probably for the next two or three weeks until I finally figure out a way to beat them. The AI is going to screw me over in the fourth quarter, and I'm going to be pissed off for that and for other reasons that we've already talked about. So, that's where I'm at, Jay. Wow.
1: That was a lot. All in one breath. All in one breath. That was a one-take-hold <laughs> for real. For real. From the heart. Um... All right, so uh, my final thought is I've actually been spending a lot of time on NCAA 14 on my Xbox 360. Nice. I went backwards and I've been recruiting. I I, um, <laughs> I got the game and I literally the first six hours of it I was recruiting running backs and uh, linemen out of Oklahoma for Tennessee, trying to steal all that OU talent um, that um, without even playing an actual game. <laughs> It just reminded me how much I miss playing that game. Now, was there talking great. they're gonna bring back NCAA football? If Sports? they figure out the stuff with uh the players getting paid for their likeness and everything, mm-hmm. there's potential. That well, could be that could be like the best selling football game in history. It will be that. the best selling. It will it will be that one will sell like three hundred million like on right. launch day. All right, well, we appreciate y'all joining us as usual here on the Half a Bird Sports Show. Thank you so much for uh, bearing with us as we kind of talk through the situation. We appreciate y'all allowing us to have this platform to be able to do it. So uh, make sure you uh, rate us and review us and give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it. Just give us five anyway. Gifted. And uh, for Mike, Bob, and Wendy on the back for the ones and twos, and for our co-host Jimmy, check out his solo show later this week. We'll probably have another week or two of shows as we try to figure out when the NBA is coming, and then the full rebrand will show. We'll have a new name. but Don't worry. Keep your feet the same. Everything will show up the same as it does. It'll so just be under a new name. So, outside of that, we'll talk to you in a couple days.
0: Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet.